Welcome into Smooth Operators with your hosts, Noah, Griggs, and Ben, going through the world of Formula One. If you want to interact with the show today, you can tweet at us at Noah underscore Phillips, at Junior underscore McClurkin, and at the Griggs B. It's time for the green flag, and it's lights out, and away we go. It's finally Friday, and I got my motor running for a wild weekend, ladies and gentlemen. But right now, it's 1 o'clock on Weagle 91.1 FM, and it's time for Smooth Operators. Myself, Noah Phillips, joining me in the booth is, as always, Griggs Blankenberg. But we are Benless today. Are. I know you told me you were going to say that, so I went ahead and stole it. Yeah, that's okay. Yes. Hello, everyone. We are without... Our lovely co-host Ben today. Hope you're feeling better, Ben. He's a little bit under the weather, but we're without Ben Word today. Couldn't really get the phone working, so he we'll miss him. He'll be, he'll be back next week, hopefully. Good thing we don't have too 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 much to, that he's missing. So exactly, that's good. Yeah. But let's just go ahead and jump right into it, ladies and gentlemen. We start off today with the news of the F1 20, uh, 2023 season calendar being finalized. That was finalized by Formula One management just the other day. However, this came with the notion that uh, the Shanghai Grand Prix or the Chinese Grand Prix would be canceled this season, uh, which was due to take place on April 16th of last year's one. And they canceled because of uh, ongoing problems with the coronavirus and China zero uh, COVID policy. So they are no, no longer having a Chinese Grand Prix. This will be the, I think, hold on, 2020, 2021, 2022. This will be the fourth year without the Chinese Grand Prix, last running in 2019. That is correct. And it's kind of a shame because I don't know how you feel about it, Griggs, but to me, the uh, layout there at the Shanghai International Circuit is beautiful to me. It's a beautiful racetrack, and I think it provides great racing. You know, you have a lot of um, Bahrain-type elements, especially, you know, with the last sector. Obviously, the... Uh, main standout of it is the uh, first four turns. I'll say that uh, right, le- uh, left, right again, kind of sequence. There, it's kind of in the shape of a circle. Uh, it's just a beautiful thing to watch racers go around and race around. It is very sad that they will not be racing on that circuit again for the fourth straight year. Yes, the 56 lap, 5.41 kilometer track last held in 2019 i think last one by lewis hamilton if i'm not mistaken oh, you're close you're close it was his teammate valtteri bottas valtteri bottas last winner yes oh yes that was the oh wait no lewis one he got valtteri got pole position oh correct you're you are correct i'm reading the wikipedia article wrong fastest lap held by pierre gasly who was still with red bull racing at the time yep but like forever ago yes it actually does but yeah uh f1 was unwilling to return to china um because they did not know whether they could bring all the team and organizational personnel that needed to travel and operate within the country. Um, but, yeah, F1 talked about – we talked about this yesterday on the Eagles Nest when Noah was with us. Um, but the replacements that Noah got upset about that they were thinking about but didn't end up happening were Portugal's Portimao circuit, but they just would not simply cut a deal just to get to 24 races. So we will have a 23-race season this upcoming F1 calendar. And first of all, I completely understand Formula One not wanting to go race uh, in China because of, like you said, all the COVID um, stuff that's taking place there. And I don't think there's any way you could, like they did in 2022 with all the testing and everything, it just wouldn't make sense to do that for one race. You know, when we did it during the 
dark times for an entire season, it made sense because it was still that spectacle. To just go to China, it doesn't make any sense. But for them, F1, I feel like, has enough staying power and enough leverage to where they could force a track or could strong arm a track. I'm not saying they should, but I feel like they have the potential to strong arm a track like Portimao or or Portugal or uh circuit parlor card in France to go, hey, we wanna come we wanna bring the F one circus for a weekend and I think you should let us. Yeah, it's just the problem is just they really just said they didn't want to have a race just to have a race really because that's what they were looking at right there and we talked about it now in the f1 calendar with it was scheduled to be held in mid-april it there's now a four-week gap between april 2nd when we are racing in melbourne australia to april 30th when we are in baku in for the azerbaijan grand prix so there's a long break in between that one and i'm very surprised they're going to have something like that i i said it yesterday on eagle's nest for you to continue growing a sport, you have to continuously get people in the habit of watching that sport. Like we see on the NFL where you have it on Sunday, college football's on Saturday, and even NASCAR's done a great job with it. You know, they got a race pretty much every Sunday going on. And obviously it's a lot easier to do if you're NASCAR just traveling around the U.S. than it is for Formula One where you're traveling the entire world. But still at the end of the day, they need to have some sort of commality and they don't need to be taking four weeks off, which, you know, is great for the drivers and everything, but for the market that they're trying to build, it is not healthy for that. So they are almost off for the almost entirety of April. And that is what was well now also with the, of course, summer break that will happen basically the entire month of August from July 30th when we are done in spa to when we go to Zandervoort in August the 27th. So, Another large break, kind of what you're saying, like for a sport that's growing like this, to just have an unnecessary break, kind of like that, that was not planned. I feel like they might have should have gone to Portugal with that, just because they just didn't want to lose that traction you have, because then would go, it was going to go race, off week, race, off week, and then race, and now it's just race, three weeks off, and then race again. And they don't even have to go to another track. They can go to uh, Bahrain and race on one of their other uh, circuit layouts like they did with uh the I forget what they called it the Shikari lay I can't remember the exact name of it <laughs> but it it was a beautiful layout I really enjoyed that race when they uh didn't take all that middle stuff and just had the little uh squiggly line section up at the uh, up at the top with those S's and I don't get why you can't just go back there for a race because I'm sure Bahrain would love to welcome yet another uh, F1 weekend into the schedule. So our first back-to-back race week will be the week of April 30th and May 7th, which will be Azerbaijan to Miami. So that's the first time we will have a back-to-back race weekends. So it's kind of a long way in between that. So you can go from Baku to Miami. and Oh, my Lord. That, that, I completely understand not doing a race every single week but the fact that you have a summer break and now this i think this is gonna lead to some uh unwanted uh non-publicity that f1 really needs because i believe you know when you look through the uh top 100 most watched things in america they're all pretty much sporting events Mm -hmm. most of which are nfl and college football but i mean the kentucky derby's on there 
and I believe the Daytona 500 on there. I'm very surprised if in the next two to three years we won't see an F1 race like Coda or maybe even Las Vegas with how they're hyping it up. I'm very surprised we won't see a Formula One race on that top 100 list. We may even see Monaco. It's crazy, too, because in the end of October, they're going to have three back-to-back. they got Austin on the 22nd, Mexico City on the 29th, and then Sao Paulo, Brazil on the 5th. At least with that, that's all, I don't want to say close, but for the F1 logistics department, that's pretty close in comparison to going from Baku to Miami in a week. I I have no... The logistics department for these F1 teams have got to be some of the most thankless jobs on this earth. (laughs) They're like the offensive linemen in football. Mm. But, yeah, so... We're not going to have a replacement for the Chinese Grand Prix this year, so we got another. I think it was 23 as well last year, so we have another 23 race season this year after we lost Paul Ricard from the calendar, but we are gaining Las Vegas, so it's evened out now. So, yeah, I imagine they're going to want to get to 25 eventually. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. I don't, if you're F1 and you're still – if there becomes a possibility that China will once again not be able to be run in 2024, when, when do you – get to the point where you decide to just rip up that contract and say, okay, it's been five years. We can't do this. Okay, we well, get the first like two the first two years, we get it uh, with the what's going on in the world, but now that it's started to relax a lot of different places, like we got to get moving. Yeah, but I think the big uh, guillotine that's ho- hovering over F1's heads in this respect is the fact that it's, the I believe, the second most expensive track outside of uh, Abu Dhabi that they built in 2004. Because I don't, I don't believe Coda was that much to build. I'm sure they like literally had to move mountains for it. But the um, the grandstand, you know, overhang thing that hangs yeah. over the track is got to be ludicrously amounts of money. And I'm I'm sure F1 doesn't want to lose its investment on that. Yeah, I'm sure that. I just at some point where they're just got to. It's because that's such a big market where they need to get into, and if they can't find a way to have the race there, I mean. I mean, they're just losing that, like, market. They're losing that home race type of thing. I will be very surprised if Formula One at some point doesn't go to somewhere like a South Korea. Because South Korea is another big growing market that's kind of like uh, Japan, where they're kind of the same. They love uh, sports, and they will pay hand over fist to go watch a uh, – I believe they will pay hand over fist to go watch a uh, F1 weekend so i know you're upset that portugal just doesn't happen but are you okay with them just leaving at 23 instead of just trying to yeah. last second find a contract to get someone to get a race prop most presumably in that april second gap i'm okay with it but i really wish they would i mean you can't now but i really wish there wasn't the four week gap there like mm-hmm. Move Baku a week up. If That's you critical for us, too, because we won't, we'll only have, like, one, two, three, four, maybe five shows before we go on summer break. Exactly, but, you know, having the four-week gap, I believe, is going to kill some of F1's viewership, and I really hate to see that happen because of all the growth they've done uh, on TV and everything like that, and I believe that this sport could help revitalize motorsports in the North American market because I love NASCAR to death, but good God, we are 
killing that sport, and not enough people can watch a 24-hour Rolex or 24-hour at Petit Le Mans over in Atlanta or IMSA race, even in Bel Air, Detroit, or Bell's Isle. <clears throat> not enough, I believe Formula One is really helping levitate or reintroduce motorsports to the North American market, and having that four-week gap really, really hurts. But that is going to do it for our talk on the um, canceled Chinese Grand Prix and F1 keeping the race schedule at 23 races. But don't go anywhere. When we come back, we come back. We're going to talk about what's going on down in Miami at the Hard Rock Stadium. Some cool new plans F1 has unveiled for what's going on at the Miami track. So don't go anywhere. You're listening to Smooth Operators on Weagle 91.1 FM. And welcome back into the Bradley Basin Studio inside the middle of the Student Center. If you hadn't joined us in the first 15 minutes, this is Smooth Operators. My name is Noah Phillips, and joining me on my right is the one and only Briggs Blankenberg. Unfortunately, Ben was not able to come here today, but we're going to be talking about the one and only Miami Grand Prix. Yes, the Miami Grand Prix F1. This was, I believe, released the other day on the 18th. So the article is called F1 uh, Reveals Miami Upgrade Plans, including what's going to happen in Hard Rock Stadium. So let's get into this article a little bit. Um, Formula One is making a large investment to stay in Miami. Uh, The organizers of the Miami Grand Prix announced a host of changes that it's going to use to prepare for the second iteration of the Miami Grand Prix happening on May 7th last year, it was Max Verstappen taking the checkered flag on in P1, followed by Charles Leclerc in P2 and Carlos Sainz P3. So the big three all on the podium. Um, what they're adding to this, and we'll get some reactions to this, is a permanent 190,000 square foot paddock club hospitality building that has been built atop the team pit garages overlooking the pit lane and starting line. So they're adding a lot of space on top of the garages on right near the starting line. And I'm very surprised it wasn't there in the beginning. You know, it's such a big atmosphere down there in Miami. I'm sure people paid millions and millions of dollars to go down there and watch that race. I'm very surprised they didn't have a bigger hospitality section. I mean, we saw it during the, uh, opening uh credit or not credits but the uh, opening walkthrough of the miami pit uh, or start finish line where uh paulo bencaro got mistaken for a uh patrick Mahomes. Well, it was patrick Mahomes, wasn't it no paulo bencaro got mistaken for um mistaken for being patrick mahomes yeah that was funny that, that was hilarious but we saw all those stars that were out dj college was also there to represent 305 and uh i'm very very, very surprised that it took them to the second year to build a bigger hospitality uh, section above that garage. Yeah, area. I mean, they, I mean, the tickets, I don't know how it happened, but they sold out before they went on sale. It was crazy. Like, we talked about a little bit yesterday, like, how they had, like, where you could have gotten, like, an all-expenses-paid vacation to Miami for, like, five days for the cheapest ticket there. Yeah, which, I mean, I, I love Florida, but I don't think I want to go to Miami for five days. <laughs> Uh, the three-tiered building will include also a room for six. Will include room for six thousand guests, luxury suites, and a rooftop club. So six thousand people are going to be able to be above the team garages for this Miami Grand Prix. And of course, I don't think we have, there's prices on that yet, right? 
they're probably going to be pretty high. They are probably going to be pretty high. And when you think about the difference, because they're probably still going to be less than a place like Monaco. When you think about the type of people that actually go to Monaco versus the type of people that go to Miami for F1 race is a little bit different. But I think we'll start to see more and more of Americanized luxury, if you know, if you get what I'm saying, mm-hmm. at these F1 tracks, uh, starting with Miami, probably definitely going to be out in Vegas, where we'll probably have bottles of everything, you know, just <laughs> laying around on ice. But and it'll be more of a fun atmosphere than just stuffy men in suits sitting down to watch a race, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Uh, the team. Uh, Paddock, this is the big one, the team paddock areas and hospitality units, so where the drivers usually stay and do all their stuff for the week, uh, they will be, uh, will stay throughout the race weekend, will be on the field where the Dolph, Miami Dolphins play, so the playing service at the Hard Rock Stadium, which is directly behind the uh, paddock where um, they have the finish line and the pits, they will be directly behind them inside the stadium, so they're going to be on the field where all their team preparation and housing and everything is going to be that weekend. And Dolphins Field is turf, right? Yeah, they're going to be able to take that up. I was yeah. about to say, yeah. And um, I think we're going to get some crazy shots of that this year or this this coming up F1 season. Um, but like I've said, I said it in the last section, F1 logistics is crazy, man. Hmm. You think about moving all those tents and everything into the Miami Dolphins Stadium, that's – I mean, they're not going to be playing there for a while. They're not. But, you know, Dan Marino might cry. Hey, he gave the trophy to Max last year. I don't think he's going to do that. Oh, yeah, he did. Yeah, never mind. You know what also – so they did the football helmets mm-hmm. for the hats that they yeah. usually give out. They didn't do the cowboy hat in Austin this past year. I don't think we talked about that. But that really, really made me mad because that was cool. I don't know why they didn't give those out. I hope, I hope they bring the helmets back for Miami. I hope they bring the cowboy hats back for uh, – Austin, and I hope... What are they going to do for Las Vegas? They're going to get those, like, green visors. You know what I'm I, talking about? I doubt they'll do that. The see-through visors? That would be cool. I, would be, I, I don't think they're going to do that one, though. What else are you going to do? Those, like, big, like, things that the uh, dancers wear? You know what I'm talking about? Like the feathered things? Yeah, like the feathers? Yeah. You do that. Maybe. Huh? Just get a big slot machine and put it on their head. That'd be, that'd be cool. Maybe like a eh, – they can't do football again. I would say like a Raider or something. Just a picture of Al Davis. Maybe like a hockey helmet. I don't know. Like in Vegas. Who knows? But um, they're also doing this. This is interesting. The 3.36-mile track service that goes around the Hard Rock Stadium, they're going to repave it to improve the grip levels in hopes of allowing for more overtakes and excitement. So if you remember earlier last year, the only really main overtakes we kind of remember was Max overtaking Charles and Pretty close to the start, I believe it was like around like lap four or five, followed by uh, Baltas being passed by both Mercedes after an incident. Those are the only two like main overtakes that I remember really happening on that track. Yes, and I'm sure that the paved track will help in some aspects, but at the end of the day, that layout is not that good. I dr- I, I got a PS5 over. Christmas break, Griggs. I don't, I don't think I told you that. You did not. But I got first game I got was F1 2022. Hmm. And I was having so much fun going through my team. And then I got to the Miami Grand Prix. And I was like, 
oh my lord, this track is awful. Hmm. You get in such a good rhythm, and then it comes up to the area where it's like underneath a bridge, and it's that little, um, mm-hmm. well, I forget the word. Yeah, I know what it. you're talking about, though. That section is so terrible for that track. I don't know what they need to do there, but it needs to be something else because it messes up all your momentum with your riding it. They need to fix that before they repave the track, in my opinion. I do think the track repaving will help, though, in the long run, really. A different surface than what is, like, what the car, they're calling it a car park track. So it, it changes up from what the pavement they're using, like, regular stuff, I assume. So I think that'll help a little bit. I think it'll help a little bit, but still, at the end of the day, it's that the uh, layout of the track is what really, really hurts it, in my opinion. Yeah, I don't know how much more of that they're going to be able to change. I'm looking back at the track now. Just, I mean, it's cool to just another American race. I remember I think it was the most watched race that America's ever really had. So that was kind of cool. But, yeah, that they need to do something about Because I feel like there's some parts where they just try to force in all those turns right there. Because mm-hmm. they have those two long straights. Because from the DRS zone in, from turn 16 to turn 17, that is, I think, what, the longest straight? Yes. In Formula One? Yes. I think that the Las Vegas that, trip's going to pass it, though. Actually, it may be the – no, no, Saudi Arabia does not have uh, that longest straight anymore because I think Miami did pass it. And they have three DRS zones on the track, again, from 16 to 17, the long straight. They also have one from a turn 9 to turn 11, which is another really big back straight. Because from, basically from turn 8 to turn 11, there's like one mini turn, and that's it. It's still not too much, if you remember that. So that was interesting that it just, yeah, you can kind of tell that someone just kind of just drew drew it, like kind of like maybe like freehand drew it. Like, like, okay, as long as this doesn't go through the stadium or hit the stadium, I think we're okay. Yeah. But I like that the more, we need just need more improvements of these American like tracks. I mean, code is pretty good since it's like a set in stone race track. But some of these like, I'm interested to see what they do with Las Vegas and like the street aspect of it. I love the fact they're doing a street race, and I love the fact they've been Dakota. I really, really wish that we wouldn't do a car park slash parking lot track down in Miami. There's so many better places to go. You can go to uh, Petit Le Mans over there, uh, track Atlanta, or, or you can go to Road America. You can go to uh, Charlotte Motor Speedway. Go to Daytona. You can go to Tal. You can go to Talladega. We got a, uh, you know, so I said Talladega. Yeah. You can go to Talladega. We got a uh, road course up there that I'm sure would be fun. Instead of just racing, it's cool that we race around the Dolphin Stadium, but like, it's Hard Rock Stadium. Why not go up to Met MetLife or the Meadowlands or something else? I think main, their main thing is they want that market because Miami, no offense, but when you're talking to an international audience, Miami Grand Prix sounds a lot better than the Talladega Grand Prix if you're talking from, like, an international audience. Well, you mean you can dress it up. I mean, you can, but, like, still, it's Miami. You can call it the Southwest American Grand Prix. You can call it the New York Grand Prix and go to Watkins Glen. You can race around... Uh, MetLife and call it New York Grand Prix like the Jets and Giants do. I think they just want all the glitz and glamour that comes from Miami, really. 
Nah, if they did a New York City race and held it at the MetLife Stadium car lot, I think someone would get fired over that. Someone probably would, but it'd be fun. They can race around where Jimmy Hoff was buried, man. Uh, last little bit we have before we go to break. The organizers are also, are also upgrading certain fan areas, including the marina where real yachts were parked on fake water during the 2022 race. So we may be getting real water in the fake marina this year. So that might be that might do a little bit to help the image. Does that mean we're also going to be getting a real yacht? Those were no, real, they were real. They were real, they were real yachts. But yeah, oh, our friend Cameron's trying to tell us something from the glass. We're not going to do what he's saying. Um, but yeah, I just hope those changes, specifically the uh, specifically the um, the pavement, kind of help with that just a little bit because a little bit of improvements would help with that one. I think. Yeah, I, I do think that the improvements are needed down there in Miami. I mean, it's a great place to have a race, but I, there's just so many better places to go, in my opinion. Like. You go to New York, you could – I don't get why you don't go to Los Angeles. Race along uh, Long Beach. The Long. Have you ever seen the Long Beach um, layout? I have not. Okay, well, I'm, I'm going to show it to you between the break. It's an amazing street course over in, my, in, uh, over in uh, Long Beach, California. Probably not FIA grade one. <laughs> well, neither is Monaco. There's Monaco. You know, we have – we already have a pre-built uh, excuse to go there. Yes, that is going to do it for our, for our talk on the Miami Grand Prix. But when we come back, we, find, we have another date released for the F1 launch date. We have another brand. We're only left with one who's net to release their car plans to release their car. But don't go anywhere. You're listening to Smooth Operators on Weagle 91.1 FM. Operators, legal 91.1 FM exclusive show about wonderful of F1 as we look at the launch dates for the 10 teams in the Formula One circus. Starting us off, we have circus, it is a circus. What do you think it is? (laughs) Starting us off, we of course have Red Bull on February 3rd. Yes, so Red Bull. Will be the one on February third. That's our next. That's the first race. I remember they did it first last year, if I'm not mistaken. They were one of the first few to get released on their car. But interesting point about that one. We talked about it yesterday on the Eagles Nest for a little bit. But they are going to be hosting their car launch in Drumroll, New York. So they're going to be different from what they usually do. They usually do it on a sound stage at their factory. Everyone usually does that. But F1's taking it on the road. They're taking it live from. New York. I believe that'll probably be New York City. So it's going to be interesting to see what the car looks like for the reigning driver and world champion team. Yep, they'll have the <coughs> one on the Max Verstappen car. Got I love that he does that. Not like Lewis Hamilton where he kept uh, 48 on his car. In 44. 44, my bad. And uh, actually has the one in, for the championship. But... You know, going to New York, it's such a big fashion capital of the world. Them and, I guess, Paris, France, probably, uh, really will help elevate the Red Bull brand and also helps get more eyes on the F1 circus here in America And that I can see. I can only see only positives from them releasing their car 
inside the great New York City. Yeah, I agree with that. It's gonna be gonna be different. I wonder which borough they're gonna do it in. You think they're gonna do it in Brooklyn? I probably have to imagine they're probably gonna do it in Manhattan. No, they're gonna do it in Brooklyn. No, I'd they're gonna they're gonna go to the Brooklyn Nets. It's gonna be Manhattan. They're gonna have Kyrie Irving pull off the. I don't think that's who they want doing that. But yeah, moving on now. Next up would be the Williams team happening on the sixth of February. That's going to be their new driver this year with Williams, the American. A lot of American themes going on this show today. Well, we're American, but yeah, uh, is Logan Sargent finally going to be seen in the Williams colors for the first time, along with Alex Albon? So that's going to be an interesting pairing to see this year with Alex Albon being on the final year of his Williams contract with Logan Sargent, the new American boy, coming into Formula One. USA, USA. He's going to look great in those Williams colors. May not look great during the races because of the car, but hey, we got a, we got us an American in there, and I really, really hope he can do great things inside this sport. But here's the thing, though. that's a That sounds like a very competent driver lineup, though. Alex Albon was scoring points last year. In a consistent manner, that's not usually the Williams way. So if these two can get a pretty decent car, I could see them being out of the bottom two spots on the um, F1 um, standings list. Who replaces them, though? That's the question. they got to be faster than uh, eight other teams. Something about AlphaTauri keeping on Yuki Sonoda just doesn't... And I don't feel like... Um, I do not feel like... Um, Valtteri Bottas is going to have a good a start as he did last year because that's the main reason why Alfa Romeo was able to hold on to their position on that constructor standings. I also do love how it's just online for the location. Like everybody else has, you know, Silverstone or the McLaren technology system. Williams is just straight up releasing their car online on Skynet. <laughs> but, yeah, that's a Williams team who finished last in the constructor standings last year, Alex Albon had, I believe, eight points. I think Nicholas Latifi, or Alex Albon had seven or six, and Nicholas Latifi had two. So that's going to be interesting. They're the only team not to get double digit, uh, double digit points last year. Moving on now to the new team that was released just a little while ago. Alfa Romeo announced they will be unveiling their car on February 7th, that second year pairing of Valtteri Bottas and uh, Guan Yu Zhou. So. Didn't start off the year pretty well. Alfa Romeo ended up finishing sixth in the constructor standings, one above place above Aston Martin. So this guy had to be a little bit more consistent of a car for Alfa Romeo to compare to the car last year that was basically said to be a tractor. Yeah, but they did have a hot start. I wonder if they kind of did the same thing as Haas, where they just couldn't keep developing the car. But I'm very interested to see their livery because you know last year they just flipped it vertically the red and the white so i'm interested to see if they do it like horizontal like the first half of the car is white and the other half is red you know if they do something like that maybe but i'm, I'm sure it's going to be a great looking car and i'm very interested to see what it looks like mm-hmm. yes moving on now to the february 11th is the alpha tari team so it's going to be nick defries and uh yuki sonoda as the new pairing at the Red Bull sister team this season. And they're also uh, unveiling their car at New York City, along with uh, the Red Bull. Okay, so they're F1 keeping team. it there in-house. in-house. So it's going to be that's an eight-day difference. So they'll be pretty similar there. But it's going to be a crazy week, crazy week in a day in New York. But yeah, a disappointing season last year for the Avataris, finishing ninth in the constructor standings. 
didn't really expect out of that, and I'm surprised Yuki Sonoda got an upgrade on his contract. I'm very surprised, too. I think he's still young, and I think uh, AlphaTauri, he must say the right things in the locker room and in the hospitality area because he does seem like a genuine race car driver. At the end of the day, he seems like a guy who wants to get behind the wheel and drive as fast as he can, and I think they see that, and I think they just knew that probably a sophomore slump for Yuki Sonoda. But being the sister team of one of the most dominant cars in Formula 1 history and being that far down the table with the same powertrain, I don't know, that just seems weird to me, really. Well, I mean, Ripple's kind of always been a more greatly aerodynamic team. I think their engine or powertrain is still very good. I just don't think it's the best in Formula 1. I still think that nine, like that eight-space difference just doesn't really seem like that's what Red Bull would want going long-term. You you may be right with that, but I'm sure they'll they got something that works to fix that. And now happening, both these cars releasing on February 13th, it is the Aston Martin and the McLaren. Both there, both having new drivers, Aston Martin adding Fernando Alonso and McLaren adding um, Oscar Piastri. So two new drivers coming in on those same February 13th dates. Yep, and those are going to be two very beautiful cars. I'm interested to see if uh, McLaren keeps the uh, Google Chrome wheels this time. More, they were driving more like Internet Explorer last year. Exactly. They need to pick up some speed. They need to delete some RAM. Mm-hmm. And then for Aston Martin, I mean, Lance Stroll actually did pretty decent last year in my in my eyes. Uh, he's always going to be a pretty decent driver. I mean, he, he's always going to be the number one driver. He's always going to be the number one driver, and he's always going to be an okay driver. It's just, you know, that team is not there to win races. It's there to put sponsorship stickers out on track and score some points. Moving on now, the Prancing Horses are releasing their car on February 14th. Happy Valentine's Day for that. Nobody got me. I know Ferrari got me. (laughs) Can I get an amen? But, yes, so Ferrari releasing their car. It will be another year, I think, the third or fourth season of the Carlos Sainz and Charles Leclerc for the second-place finishers in the Constructor standings last year, who – like a little bit like Alfa Romeo had a really hot start to start the year and just kind of through troubles of their own ended up not being able to catch Red Bull. Yeah, I mean we could have very easily uh at least kept Red Bull at bay and competed with them until the end, but you know, having bad strategy in, in a race will absolutely gut you. And I swear Ferrari, if you do anything other than red on this car, I I will come unglued on this podcast. You can't do it to me on Valentine's Day. What if they listen to Ben's design and decide to do the purple Ferrari? I I will. I probably won't be able to come on this podcast. Um, you know, last year they did that like green stripe that ended up not affecting it at all because the sponsor went bankrupt or whatever. I, I can't remember exactly what happened, but good lord, man, it, it's just a red car. That's all we need. Moving on, red to- on red, whole lot of red. <laughs> Moving on to February 15th, it is Mercedes coming off their year with their constructor streak of seven in a row ended. They're going to be looking to bounce back from a car that had a lot of struggles at the beginning and found its way near the middle of the season. Second year of George Russell and Lewis Hamilton going together. Disappointing year for them last year. They only finished third in the constructors, and they only had one race win, which belonged to George Russell in Brazil. Yeah, and I'm very, very surprised. I'll be very, very surprised if that car doesn't come out this year and is really a contender. 
Because I think they just didn't really know what to do at the start of the year with the new car and not they don't have the not being able to do their uh, steering wheel uh, like the way they want to because, you know, they used to be able to do the thing where you can, like, move the actual steering wheel itself and it'll affect uh, the suspension and the tires and everything. I forget the exact word for that, but, of course, that got outlawed. They just didn't really understand how to make the car at the beginning of the year, and I think they really honed their craft uh, there at the end. And moving on to our last one with a date is February 16th, which is the Alpine. So then all French lineup this year, the first year of uh, Esteban Alcon and Pierre Gasly working for the French automaker. Now, I'll tell you what's hilarious about this, though. Let's hear it. If I'm reading this correctly, they're going to do their uh, car livery show in London. Ooh. So not not France for some reason. Why? 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 That, does, that does not make any sense. Is like, why not have it in Paris, France? What? It just doesn't make any sense to me why you wouldn't do that. You can even have it at like Paul Ricard or something like that. You could have it over in the beautiful French countryside of Normandy. Ah, oh, God. Why have it in London, man? Why in London? And finally, the last car dealer who does not have a uh, release thing right now. It is the. Haas team who's yet to release their day. They're the last one to, to go before where we can see what kind of car they're bringing. I wonder where they're going to have it. That's my question. What's wrong with Fayetteville? Well, why not? Hey, I hope they have it in Fayetteville. That'd be so, you know? That's just so interesting. I live like 40 minutes from an F1 team headquarters. I'm like, what? Why not come down here to Auburn, Alabama? I don't, imagine, with it? I don't imagine they're going to do that one. Come down to Auburn, Alabama. You can reveal your car Right here in the legal studio inside the Meldon Student Center. Alex would lose his mind. He comes in here one day. Hey, Alex, uh, we have an F1 car in here in the studio right now. We we do. We're, we're revealing it right now. Hey, can we, can we use the camera? Eagle Eye TV, can we, can we use your cameras real quick? Uh, Thanks, man. Yeah, but that is going to do it for our talk on the launch dates of the new cars. When we come back... We got some more stuff to talk about in the world of F1. You're not going to want to miss it, but don't go anywhere. You're listening to Smooth Operators on Weagle 91.1 FM. And welcome back to the Bradley Basin Studio inside the Melton Student Center. This is Weagle 91.1's exclusive Formula One show, otherwise known as Smooth. Operator. My name is Bill Phillips. Chris is on my right, and we're going to be talking about the newly upcoming season of DTS, otherwise known as Drive to Survive on Netflix. Drive to Survive, love it or hate it, it has sparked enormous growth in the world of Formula One, specifically here in the United States. But yes, last week we didn't we didn't talk about it too much, but now we can. Drive to Survive season five was the release date was announced, and a teaser trailer was dropped. Um, the new season will be coming to Netflix on February 24th, 2023, which is continuing with their tradition of dropping Drive to Survive one week before the start of every season. So one week before Bahrain this year, we will have new Drive to Survive. And a little bit different thing after last year. Now, I know, no, you don't really watch Drive to Survive, but something that was interesting was Max was not in it at all last year. Like, they had no sit-down interviews with Max Verstappen. He didn't like the way they portrayed drivers, and now he... Has had an agreement. He was in the uh, the trailer for F one this year, so 
Max Verstappen is going to be coming back in to be interviewed for Drive to Survive. So that's probably a good thing that the world champion by that much would be willing to come on your show. So that's really good for them. Yeah, but you do have to hand it to Max Verstappen. He is he has always been a driver first, markability second, you know, kind of driver. He loves driving a Formula One car around. He doesn't care as much as uh, other people do about their uh, marketability and bringing in money and everything. I mean, he he gets paid millions of dollars to wear his watch. He, he just likes to drive Formula One cars into the day. And, of course, I, I'm, I can't afford Netflix. I'll be honest with everybody on here. But uh, I'm sure it's going to be a great, another great season. And uh, it's, i got to hand it to Netflix. They've done an amazing job growing this uh, beautiful sport known as Formula One. I'll let you borrow mine or something. Yay. <laughs> th- th- thanks, Cuzzo. <laughs> I got you. But, yeah, so, again, my my thought with Max now coming back, it's, I think it's going to be interesting to see what the dynamic of the show is now since a lot of it was based on these really dramatized races. I do think they are missing out on an incredible opportunity if they do not dive more in depth into what happened in Saudi Arabia race last year. Because if you remember Noah, that was some kind of crazy stuff going on where the missile hit the Aramco oil facility near the track and they still raced. I want to see what that was like. I want to go in depth inside of what happened that night when they had the driver's meeting and everything. Yeah, and I I do think that'd be very interesting to do. I think the only problem is F1 is going to protect that a lot. You know, part of the reason they do some fiction from what i understand they don't you know they sometimes have to dramatize it up as a little bit because i'm sure formula one has their hand inside of what they're able to show on drive survive and i know that they i or at least i think f1 knows how big it is for the sport but i also know how much of a pr disaster it could be i think mainly the main thing i don't want like i'm okay with it like not like going into the driver's meeting i just don't want like I want, like, Will Buxton to just talk me through, like, what was going on that night and type of stuff like that. Not where, like, you're just going directly to the drivers. Yeah, maybe some interviews saying saying stuff that was happening. Yeah, and some other stuff that we have. I mean, I feel like um, kind of you were saying, like, Valtteri gets a bad rap sometimes from what you've seen. I can kind of understand that in the show. I mean, a lot of the rivalries were – really like dramatized like i don't think lando and daniel had as much of a rivalry as they were making them seem last year uh like as it was in the 2021 season which was the last drive survive season about i don't think that i don't think i think they kind of just try to spice up some of the rivalries just a little bit too much and i know this next part's going to sound really weird griggs okay but i'm a poker player you are a poker player and from what they used to do back in the good old days of like mid two thousands poker or during the golden age when like Chris Moneymaker won it and all them was they would just edit it down to an hour. Hmm. So they would take just really good hands and they would make a story out of it. And that produced an absolute boom the the poker boom inside the United States as we've seen with Chris Moneymaker and um other people winning it. I can't remember their exact names now. I probably should be able to. But I'm okay with them editing it. At least they they just better keep some truth in there. And if they want to create bigger rivalries, like I'm sure they do, um, I think that's great for the sport because it will get more eyes on it and more people 
will become instantly more enthralled with what they're doing. People love a good story. People love conflict. Yeah, they do. I mean, yeah, I mean, that's what kind of draws eyes to it, and they know that. I do think they're going to kind of rein it back in a little bit more because they, they realize how important a Max Verstappen type of driver is to have on the show. It's important because they didn't have him last year when he was battling for the title all year. I believe that probably hurt them just a little bit. Now they're going to have him back on when he was dominant so they could talk more about him because they didn't really have really an in-depth Red Bull storyline from what I can remember. Yeah, and I'm I'm sure that's going to be real interesting to watch, and I'm sure Netflix has done a great job with it. And I'm sure Max Steppen, you know, has provided some great TV footage in their interviews and everything. And I'm sure, I mean, I'm sure it's going to be a great season. Netflix does do a really good job with it. I'm just very interested to see how much more dramatization they put in there than that's necessary than what they could have done if they had complete freedom. Because I'm sure Formula One sanctioning body, the FIA, has at least some sort of grip on it. Has some say. Mm-hmm. I yeah, I agree with that as well. And I'm also gonna be to say I like I want to see some like what they have for Sebastian Vettel near the end. Usually they'll talk a little bit more to the drivers who are leaving with that. And he was always good, really good on Drive to Survive, from what I remember from the past, the previous four seasons. I just hope we get more uh, Haas shenanigans because what oh, I understand. Oh, like, they will. I want to understand. Um, Oh God! Was it Steiner? Was like hilarious. Yeah, the Steiner ship. Steiner ship. I, I I saw the memes about that. I was like, oh my gosh, that's hilarious. Yeah, but that is gonna do it for our show today. Wrap it up a little bit early. Don't worry, we'll be back again next week. Ben will be back. Hopefully, we'll all be back. More F one talk coming your way. If you missed any today's show? If you feel so inclined, you can check it out on the podcast platform of your choice. Later on today, you'll get a notification for that if you subscribe to us. But that's all we have time for today. For Noah Phillips, I'm Greg Splankberg. We miss you, Ben. Have a great day, everyone. Have a great weekend and a war eagle. That's all we have today for Smooth Operators, Weagle's exclusive F1 show. In case you missed some of the show or just want to relive all your favorite parts, check us out on Spotify or wherever you get your podcast. Till next time, this has been the smoothest operators of Weagle 91.1 FM.